Welcome back to the bookcast. I'm D.L. White, Atlanta-based author of romantic fiction featuring Black men and women. We've been reading The Never List by me, D.L. White. If you'd like to read this book instead of listening to it or reading along, you can pick it up at booksbydlwhite.com books. If you'd like to be a part of our newsletter community, hit that at booksbydlwhite.com newsletter. And if you'd like to be part of our bookish community, if you're already ready to talk about this book, grab that link at booksbydlwhite.com community. Chapter 18. Trey. I used my sleeve to wipe a bead of sweat before it could trickle down the side of my face, but it was pointless. It was a hot, humid day, and I was working outside. I think it may be time to get a riding mower, mused Pops, who'd been keeping me company all day while I worked in the yard. Mom wouldn't let him do anything, but supervising was his strong suit, so he sat nearby in long khaki shorts that showed off muscular legs that needed sun and a thin t-shirt. Mom came out periodically with glasses of tea, a few snacks, and refilled my steel water tumbler. You need to hire a professional, I grumbled. The trimming, the gardening, the mowing, not to mention the painting and repairs and minor renovations. It never used to be like this, but over the years of adding this and adding that. I wiped my face again, trying again to keep sweat out of my eyes. There's too much going on here. You can't do it, and I don't plan to spend two Saturdays a month over here for the rest of my life. I know, son. We appreciate you coming to fill in. And I know you hate me picking on your baby girl, but Missy's arms and legs work fine. There's no reason she can't help, but when I call her, I get voicemail. Missy is special. I know, Pops. In therapy on Saturdays, since you know so much, if you'd take the time to speak with her, you'd know her therapist is working wonders with her. He has her on a whole new program. I didn't have to look at him to know his face bore a scowl. It had been a nice day, near heat stroke notwithstanding. I opted not to poke the bear. I love doing it myself, he said, changing the subject. It's soothing, and it gets me out of the house. You know your mother is picky about how things are done. I looked up from the lawnmower where I had been detaching the bag that caught the clippings to dump them into a bin. I would drag that bin to a shed at the edge of the property where we kept compost materials. In the spring, Mom used that nutrient-rich mix for her new plantings. She swore by it, had been doing it for years. Yeah, I know. That's how I got stuck with your chore list. It's hard getting used to change. I keep thinking I'll be back to full power soon, but full power almost killed me. I have to give up some things. I don't like that. I'm not used to giving up control. I stopped myself from commenting about writing me on the Miller acquisition, among other Pettigrew projects. He knew his shortcomings and faults. It didn't mean he wanted them parroted back. You don't have to give up control, Pops. You're sitting in the yard watching me do your job. You're in control right now. It would make it easier for you to stay healthy and have time and energy to do the things you really want to do. His head bobbed with his nod. You're right. I'll look into it. May have some companies come by this week to give estimates. I'll believe it when I see it. I need to cut out early today, so I'm not staying for dinner. Oh? Big plans tonight? Hanging out with a friend, Pops. Oh, well. All right. I'll let your mother know that it's just the two of us for dinner, then. He rose from his lounge chair, walked through the emerald green, freshly cut, weeded, and trimmed yard, and entered the house. I set about cleaning off the lawnmower, then dragging the compost bin to the shed. He wanted to press for information just because I was being cagey. I was thankful that he resisted, because I did not want to lie to him about having a date with Esme. We were calling it hanging out, but I wasn't fooled by that term. By the heat level of our last kiss, and the conversation in the office the day before, neither was Esme. Besides, I'd made it plain that I was attracted to her, and that I had every intention of following through with that attraction, and she made it clear that she was open to that. More than that, he could never know about our side deal. It was working, getting me to make progress with Miller, and getting me closer to Esme. Speaking of Esme, I pulled my phone from my pocket and navigated to the text app. She hadn't responded to any texts since the night before, and I hadn't expected any, but I was open to a surprise flirty text or two if she was so inclined. I thumbed out a short text and sent it. Hey girl, how's your Saturday?
The bouncing dots that said she was replying didn't appear right away, so I put the phone back in my pocket and went back to dumping grass clippings into the compost bin. A few minutes later, my phone buzzed. Esme Whitaker. Hi. My Saturday is great. Yours? Weird, but I heard her voice in my head as I read her words. Yard work, I responded, hoping we're still on tonight so I have an excuse to bail. Esme Whitaker. LOL. Yes, we're still on. What time will you be here, and where are we going? Does six o'clock still work? And you'll find out when we get where we're going. Still trust me? Esme Whitaker. Six is fine. You only asked me to trust you for a few minutes. Trust me for a few hours. It'll be fun. See you at six. I locked the phone and slid it back into the pocket of my shorts, then cleaned up my mess and put the bin back in its assigned space. I mowed my parents' property twice a month, alternating the front and the back of the house, so I didn't have to come back to this shed full of decomposing, disintegrating yard waste for another few weeks. I closed the door tight, then attached the padlock and slipped the key into its hiding spot. I lifted a hand to wave at my parents, who were having afternoon tea on the patio and admiring my handiwork. I climbed into the Acadia and backed out of the driveway, debating a quit nap before the evening's events. It had been a long day in the yard after a sunrise peloton session. I was exhausted, sweaty, and filthy. I was eager to get home and get right for Esme. I pulled up to the resident parking gate at my building and climbed out, handing the key to the valet. I told him I'd be back around 5.15, so bring the car back up then. As always, I stood back while he carefully navigated the ramp to the parking garage, then swiped into the building and punched the elevator button for the 10th floor. By the time I crossed the threshold of my condo, I was already halfway undressed, having shed my t-shirt in the hallway from the elevator. I was itchy and covered in grass, so I dropped my shorts and t-shirt at the door, kicked off my shoes, took off my watch, and headed straight for the shower. Minutes later, I breathed a sigh of relief as I stood in the spacious gray marble shower under a torrent of hot water. The day cascaded off of my skin as I scrubbed a soapy washcloth over my body, then used an exfoliating cloth and cleanser on my face. Finally, I stood under the shower head, letting the cooling water rinse the suds away. The force of the water pounded onto my shoulders, which was relaxing. In the back of my mind, I remembered that it wouldn't be another chill night at home watching whatever sport I could find, sprawled across the couch, or even driving out to Pettigrew because there was always a pile of work on my desk that needed my attention. Tonight, I would be with Esme. More than one part of my body became excited at the thought of being near her, touching her, the light perfume she wore invading the fiber of my clothing so that I smelled her scent even when I wasn't with her. I would watch her roll those deep brown eyes at my corny jokes and twist those thick, red-tinted lips when I said something smart or smile when I complimented her, which, by the way, I planned to do a lot of. There was so much to compliment, and she was pretty when she blushed. I hoped we'd get the chance to get up close and personal in the most literal way possible. My mind began a journey that it had traveled many, many times since I'd met Esme, wondering, imagining, daydreaming about the day when my fingers could glide along her skin, when I could cup her breasts in my hand and pinch her nipples before taking them into my mouth and sucking them to full, taut attention. I groaned aloud, pumping my dick in one hand, holding onto the built-in shelf in the shower with the other, my thoughts and desires to feel every bend of her curves up against my body running wild in my mind. I shuddered, climaxing with a groan and a spurt at the mental image of her long legs locked around my torso while I plunged deep into her. Then her thighs flung over my shoulders as I devoured her. I heard her moan in my mind, imagined how she would shake and writhe under my power. Fuck, I wanted her. Like I had never wanted a woman before. I regained my breath and balance and, though the water was cold, scrubbed down once more for good measure and hopped out of the shower. I grabbed a bath sheet from the rack off of the wall and wiped the water away, spent a few minutes replenishing moisture with body oil, and did the same with my hair. I checked my phone and was pleased to see that I had plenty of time to grab a catnap before I had to head to Esme's house. I set the alarm, then stretched out my limbs out on the bed. Sated, clean, relaxed, I was asleep in minutes. 
Esme sat across from me, her head bowed over the menu at Two Urban Licks, a rustic warehouse-turned-restaurant that featured rotisserie-cooked meats and seafood alongside fire-roasted vegetables. I had every reason to be looking directly at her and still felt like I was doing something wrong. Her hair was piled high on top of her head in a messy bun with curls spilling out. Her black lace top, so sheer that I could see the dark bra underneath, put a tempting amount of cleavage and skin on display. It flared out at the waist, drawing my eye to the curves that I had thought about in the shower. Her worn denim jeans, cuffed mid-calf, paired with black matte leather sneakers, said she was ready for whatever I had in store for us. What's good here? Her head rose, giving me enough time to bring my eyes up to meet hers. Everything looks amazing. I don't know where to start. I pointed out a few of my favorites on the menu, including the spicy turkey wings, the ribs, and the crab lettuce wraps on the appetizer menu. Can't really go wrong with anything on the entree menu, I told her. Red meat, white meat, seafood, they do it all really well here. And save room for dessert, their peach pie hits me right after a good meal. Esme laughed, cocking her head back a little so I could see all of her pretty white teeth. You like food. I like that. Sometimes a little too much, but I got that under control. Trey. I have a confession. Esme clasped her hands together, resting her elbows on the table. Her face looked bare, but I knew enough about women to know that a bare, natural face took a lot of effort. The pop of color was her lips, coated in a berry tone that complemented her skin. I hoped it was that stuff that wouldn't come off when I kissed her. Confess away. I... I looked you up. I mean, I used Google. I didn't run a background check or anything. Fair, I commented, sitting back so the server could set glasses of ice water and wrapped silverware in front of us. When he left the table, promising to be back to take our orders, I continued. I expected that. And what did you find? Anything surprising? Well, I knew a lot about Pettigrew construction. I did my research to put together Miller's counterpoints for the contract, comparing and contrasting the strengths of each company to demonstrate how you fit together like puzzle pieces. But this time I looked deeper into the founding of the company, some of the bigger, more historical projects that the company played a hand in, like the Pont City Market and Nine Mile Station projects. Both pay homage to Atlanta's history and bring construction into the next millennium. Impressive. Esme picked up her water glass and sipped, then licked her lips before going in. I was listening to her, but also noticed that her lipstick didn't budge. Good. Then I got to Trey Pettigrew. She paused to smile. Saul III, though it's never acknowledged on the company website. Is that on purpose? I nodded. As I said, I'm intended to be third in name only in the hopes that I'll have a son and carry it on. But looking at how I've been running my dad's company in his absence, it may have more meaning than that. Esme was nodding as I spoke. Saul looks... Well, certainly he's a powerful man. He looks foreboding in his CEO portrait. Is he controlling? Pops is a teddy bear, I said. Until you don't do what he wants you to do. I don't know if it's controlling so much as he has an idea of how things should be done and can't imagine anyone doing it any other way. It blows his mind. You sort of fall in line. I made a motion with my hand of one moving after the other. Mm, she mused. And have you fallen in line? Some. More than I plan to. More than I want to. It's a necessary evil, but I'm trying to do his job my way. You, um, you look different in your website photo. I would have never believed it was you if you didn't look exactly like Saul. I laughed, remembering that I hadn't had my images updated when I took over Pettigrew. It was a bone of contention with the web design team, but I'd refused so many times they stopped asking. There was no reason to waste time and money on a photo shoot. Saul would be back in his rightful place. Though, lately, I wasn't so sure about that. <laughs> that photo tells a story about five years, 50 pounds, and months trying to get my beard to connect. Seems like it was well spent. You look great. Very handsome. Thank you, Esme. A genuine compliment from those lips means the world to me. There must be something about the mid-30s, you know? She said, moving her hands to her lap, relaxing against the cushion behind her. 
We'd been seated in a corner of the restaurant. I was in a regular chair on one side of the table. I gave the more comfortable booth seating to Esme. I woke up at 35 and every clock was screaming at me. My life was almost half over and what was I doing with it? I wasted that time existing, just being here on the planet. It wasn't good enough anymore. That's when I started making changes. Like? Well, a change of habits, new wardrobe, letting my sisters play in my hair, making them take me shopping. She fingered the delicate lace of her blouse. I wanted to look better and feel better. I went back to school. An MBA meant I was eligible for a senior position at Benning. It also meant that I could compete in the job market. If this contract doesn't go through, it will, because we're making it happen. Well, you never know. Things like this can turn on a dime. I've seen it happen. But now I have confidence that I could step outside of Benning and make as much or more elsewhere. Hopefully more. I feel you on that mid-30 crisis. I reached for the glass of water in front of me and took a sip, sucking a few cubes of ice into my mouth. I crunched the ice between my teeth. I hit 34 and felt the same. I started taking classes too, dabbling in a few things. I hated how I felt, the way I looked, so I spent time and effort on self-improvement. I still like to eat, obviously. I sent a smirk across the table. She caught it and returned it. But I don't miss a workout, and I'm removing things that don't make me happy, like that Marie Kondo chick says to do. The other part of that practice is to keep or procure what brings you joy. That's where you come in. There it was, the blush, the sweep of her eyelashes when she closed her eyes briefly, then refocused her gaze on mine. The waiter appeared at our table, a thin electronic pad in one hand. What can I get you started with this evening? As May and I both chose an appetizer, then placed orders for roast chicken and brisket. We each chose a different roasted vegetable and agreed to share. Then I ordered dessert ahead, but asked for it to go. As the waiter stepped away, I saw the question in her eyes. We have to celebrate conquering your next fear. I celebrate with pie. Chapter 19 Trey. I paid for dinner, drinks, and dessert in cash, leaving a hefty gratuity, mostly to impress Esme, but also out of solidarity. When I wasn't working for Pops, I was serving, buzzing tables, washing dishes, sweeping floors. When I say I felt weird in a suit and tie, I meant it. When Pops pulled me from the field office to work in the corporate office, it didn't feel like a come-up. I felt stifled. I didn't mind calloused hands and work boots, but I also understood that Pops wanted someone in the role that could, someday, take his place. Why he felt Vincent wasn't that dude was a mystery to me, but I hope that me being at the helm of Pettigrew wasn't on his five-year plan, because it definitely wasn't on mine. I grabbed the handles of the brown paper bag with two servings of peach pie and walked with Esme to the car as the valet brought it around. He made sure we were safely inside, nodding his appreciation at the folded bills that I slipped into his palm as we shook hands. So... I called out, maneuvering out of the parking lot. Extreme sport. Yep. Do you mind if I change the music? There's a station I like. You don't like the Soul Cycle channel? It's supposed to pump you up for tonight's adventure. I laughed at the look she sent me. You know I say shit like that just to get you to look at me that way, right? I just figured that out. She punched through the buttons on my dashboard, flipping up and down the dial. The channel was skinny, ugly rappers whining about not getting pussy until they got rich or higher up on the dial. She landed on a channel, then sat back. I nodded my head to the beat as I pointed us north to our destination. What channel is this? Heart and Soul. This is Rashawn Patterson. Do you know him? Vaguely. You know when I realized I hit that mid-30s crisis? I started liking this adult R&B stuff turning down the hip-hop because it was so loud and the bass was so heavy and the lyrics are just... Everyone's just whining about how hard it is to be rich. Not being able to find stark white Nikes in your size is an epidemic. When I started going to bed early so I could get up and work out, I shook my head, frowning hard. It was over for this kid. I could pretend before, but I was officially an adult. You know what I did today? I got up early put on my mama's Aretha Franklin records, 
I know what's coming. I broke in, already laughing. That's what Saturday was about at our house. Mama waking us up ass early, having me, Jewel, and Jada in a headscarf, scrubbing shit, doing laundry, cleaning our rooms. Now I spend my Saturdays at my folks' house doing yard work. When I got grown, I was going to sleep in on Saturdays, then do whatever I wanted to do. She sucked her teeth. I couldn't wait to get up this morning, strip the bed, mop the floors, clean the house, top to bottom, especially since O'Neill isn't around to mess it up. I've become my mother. Maybe that's not all bad. She set a good example. That chick sleeps in now, doing whatever she wants to do on Saturday. So we don't get grown until retirement. We both laughed at that. Does your sister live here, Trey? You don't talk about her much. I sucked my bottom lip into my mouth and chewed on it. I hadn't expected her to ask about Missy. I was never ready to talk about her. Missy, I began, but quickly gave up articulating any thought that she'd be able to understand. The situation with Missy is complicated. I love my sister. We just, it's a lot. I'd like to leave her out of this for a little while. Oh, sure, she replied. Sorry, didn't mean to pry. Nah, don't apologize. I reached across the console and laid a hand on her thigh, giving her a few reassuring taps. We're getting to know each other. You can ask whatever. Just not about Missy. I glanced over at her and tried to soften my expression. I wasn't angry, but she was pressing on a nerve. Not right now, Is. All right. I saw her head bob in agreement. Then she propped her elbow up on the windowsill and rested her hand in her palm. Are you going to tell me where we're going? It'll be obvious when we get there. As May didn't ask any more questions or make any more comments, we listened to the radio and watched the traffic as I headed north. After a few minutes, though, she moved her hand to rest on top of mine and curled her fingers under my palm. And then I could exhale because I knew then that she wasn't angry or feeling weird about how I cut off that conversation. My relationship with Missy had been a sore spot for too long. It was probably something I needed to see a therapist about. I switched lanes, then turned into a parking lot. I slowed to a stop next to an activity center housed in a strip mall, then pulled into a spot. Esme sat up, then leaned forward, squinting to read the neon sign that flashed. Lunar golf, she read aloud. That doesn't sound very extreme, Trey. We're going over there, I said, pointing to the other side of the building. I watched her eyes grow wide as she read the sign. Laser maze. What is a laser maze? Okay. Did you see Ocean's 12? Remember the dude that had to dance through that room around the laser beams? If you break a beam, the alarm goes off. It's like that, but we're not in the middle of a jewelry heist. Oh. Esme paused, then glanced at me and giggled. This is my extreme sport, Trey. You ruled out bungee jumping, so I shrugged. They play Mission Impossible music while you're in there. You can be Tom Cruise. All right. Sounds fun. She clapped, then released her seatbelt and popped open her door, making the dome bulb fill the interior with light. Wait. Wait, Esme. Hold up. Yeah? She paused, turning to me. The excitement in her voice matched the anticipation on her face. I know we're just hanging out, but I'm dying to kiss you. Your lips and that lipstick and the way you smile just begging me to put my mouth on you. There was always the possibility that she would get out of the car and slam the door in my face. This was as May, after all. Instead, she leaned toward me, lips slightly parted. I took it as an invitation and pressed my lips to hers. But that peck, that chaste kiss, was not nearly enough for me. As many times as the thought of that woman had brought me to climax in the last week, I needed more. I teased her with my tongue, deepening the kiss. Esme purred. The sound brought me out of the trance that her lips had put me in. I pulled back in time to catch her breathy exhale while her eyes were still closed. I've been thinking about kissing you since the last time we kissed, and... Esme opened her eyes, finding mine. When you said you wanted to put your mouth on me, I wasn't thinking about kissing. Are you hinting, Esme? Not at all, she shook her head. A benefit of this big age is that I can be straightforward. 
you said you plan to pursue me. I'm letting you know how very open I am to that. I didn't know what to say to that, honestly. No games, no subterfuge. Did I even know how to deal with a woman that didn't play with me, bat me around like a cat before going in for the kill? Let's do a laser maze. I need to finish my list. The object of the game is to make it through the maze without breaking the beam. Our mission guide was a kid who couldn't be older than 16. He took the tickets I'd printed out at home earlier and went over the rules of play with us. I'd paid for a private game, so Esme and I would be the only two players. If I wanted to pause the game to grab her and kiss her, I didn't want to be holding anyone up. However, you get two free beams. If you break a third beam, you have to go back to the beginning. He opened the door to let us into a room that was pitch black and quiet. Then the room exploded in a burst of neon light that narrowed to dozens of thin beams. Overhead, the first strains of the Mission Impossible theme poured from the speakers. As May's eyes danced, watching the laser beams form across the room, she grinned at me, then tucked her hand into mine. Let's get our Tom Cruise on! We weren't so much Tom Cruise as Tom Green. Esme spent a lot of time rolling around on the floor under high beams and making dramatic leaps to jump over relatively low beams. You don't need to do all that, Esme. You're expending energy you might need later. I stepped over a low beam of light. I'm making it extreme, she shouted, darting from one edge of the floor to the other, then leaping over the same beam I just stepped over. You pick this. I'm making it worth crossing off my list. I grabbed her arm before she could run past me again. I, let's make a deal. Another one? I can't wait to hear this one. If we make it through this maze without breaking another beam, because we already broke one, remember? You tell me what else is on your list. As my face, or what I could see of it, went blank. Don't shut down on me. I'm half of this equation, Esme. I'm, I'm the one doing these things with you. Shouldn't I know what we're doing, what we're working toward? I don't know if I'm ready to share yet. There's, there's two. She huffed, throwing up her hands, then slapping her thighs in what was probably frustration. I couldn't blame her. I was pushing hard, but I needed more. I needed her to let me in more. I wish you knew how much I'm putting myself out here, Trey. I pulled her to me by her hips, tucking her body up against mine. I'm just asking you to trust me. I know I haven't done a lot to deserve it, but please give me a chance. I'm putting myself out, too. You're right, I know. I'm not ready yet, but I will. Not yet. Can we get out of this room now? Bet. But I'm not going to stop asking, just letting you know. I kissed her, then set her free. Get your Tom Cruise on, girl. We both blinked in the brightness of the lobby lights after being in that dark room for over an hour. Esme pulled her bun out, absentmindedly running her fingers through her hair, fluffing it around her face. She was flush, but her eyes were bright and her smile was wide. Phew, that was fun. I'd love to bring my nephews out here. They'd lose their minds. My nieces, too. You made it, I told her, slinging an arm across her shoulder and guiding her toward the exit. Another check mark on that list you'll eventually show me. You proud of yourself? I am. Not what I had in mind for an extreme sport, but it's done. You made it extreme. You were gangsta in there. I did that, huh? And you were way sexier than Tom Cruise will ever be. You didn't do so bad yourself. I unlocked the Acadia with the key fob. The interior lights illuminated, the running lights popped on, and the door locks clicked as they disengaged. Okay, I'll admit it. Laser Maze was not that extreme. It wasn't, she agreed, laughing. I feel like Lunar Golf would have been more of a challenge. I thought it would be fun to see you jump over stuff. I didn't lose my planning privileges, did I? Not at all. I am happy that I let you plan. Because it wasn't bungee jumping? No. Well, yes. And because you did it with me, that's kind of my favorite part. She rose onto her toes to bring her mouth to mine. A pleasured groan rolled from my belly as our mouths meshed. I inched her back against the side of the SUV, then maneuvered between her thighs. Esme whimpered, which sent my dick into overdrive. She sucked on my tongue while moving her hands around to grab two handfuls of ass and pull me up against her. Her hips rolled against my growing thickness. I matched her rhythm, grinding back. I slipped my hand under her blouse, exploring the velvet texture of her skin traveling up her waist to the orbs encased in the dark bra that I'd been staring at all night.
It didn't take long for my fingers to pluck a nipple poking through fabric. She jerked, inhaling sharply when I flicked my thumb across the taut nub, but when I pulled away, she grabbed my hand and moved it back to her breast. Don't stop. I like that. As May panted hot breath on my neck, her pelvis rocking against mine, I ground out a grunt, my thrusts turning urgent, more aggressive. I marveled at the heft and shape of her breasts in my palms. I longed for the day when I could taste them, when those diamond-tipped nipples would rasp against my tongue. A rhythmic, guttural sound accentuated Esme's movements. Those talons she called nails dug into my skin, but hell if I was going to stop her. Oh my god. Trey. She moaned into my ear, her breath hot on my neck. Then she hissed, sucking in air through her teeth, her back arched, pressing her body into mine. I pushed us both up against the SUV, using it as leverage to buck my hips against hers until she let out a muffled yelp and I felt a full-body, violent shudder. I closed my eyes, absorbing the sound and sensation of Esme in the throes of orgasm. Shallow breaths, deep moans, tiny tremors. Moments later, she visibly wilted, letting out a long, loud exhale. Jesus. She wiped a palm across her forehead. What was that? You know exactly what that was. I moaned my appreciation into her ear, planting light kisses up her neck. And it was sexy as fuck. Damn, girl. I can honestly say I have never done that. Get your own list, she mumbled, then laughed. Then her eyes popped wide open and she gasped. Shit, we're outside. I'd been so lost in her, so drunk on her, that I had forgotten that we were standing with the passenger side door open. While the lot wasn't full and we were on the opposite side of the truck, we faced a busy main road for the county. The line of trees between the chain-link fence and the four-lane arterial wasn't thick. Anyone stopped at a long red light could have watched that whole scene play out. Come on here. We don't want to get arrested for fucking on Cobb Parkway. I stepped back offering a hand to help her inside, then closed the door. Then I hopped in, snapped my seatbelt, and reached up to flip the dome light on. Esme turned in her seat to face me, tucking a leg up under her. Her lips were swollen and puffy, her hair a wild mass of curls, her eyes at half-mast. I love how a woman looks after orgasm. So satisfied. Esme looked satisfied. You straight? She nodded. You? I'm real good. You about to cuss me out? She laughed. No, Trey, I'm fine. I'm not ready for tonight to end, though. I feel you on that. You trust me? Yes, she answered, her tongue thick. Why? Field trip, I answered, turning off the dome light and putting the truck in drive. We need a place to eat our pie. Chapter 20 Esme if my situation were different, i.e. I'd already had sex, I'd have demanded that Trey take me somewhere, anywhere, and give me every inch of what I'd been grinding against until I was hoarse from screaming his name. I was closer to the end than the middle of my sexual peak, but my hormones raged like a hot-in-the-ass co-ed who had her eyes on the sexiest piece of chocolate on campus. It was far from my first orgasm, not even the first with him on my mind, but it was the first that he'd been actively involved in producing in. Damn. Even through two layers of clothing, that shit felt good. He felt good. When he pulled me to him and held me by my hips, tipping his pelvis into mine, mm, I reflexively clenched, adjusting in the seat. Trey had waged a hand between my thighs as he drove, so when I moved, he took his eyes off the road briefly, checking me out. Do we need to stop? There's a quick trip up here. I shook my head. No, I don't... You don't... Need to stop? You don't like quick trip? I like QT fine. I don't use public restrooms. I knew he was going to laugh. I didn't expect him to put so much energy into it. You know what? Fuck you, Mr. Pettigrew. I can't imagine what quirks you have that make you annoying. You've already discovered a few of them. I don't think I have quite so many, though, Esme. What an adventure for me. I guess I get to discover them all. An adventure indeed, he said. I liked the way his voice dipped low when he said that, like he was thinking about the same thing I was thinking about. 
but probably not in the same way. My thoughts were consumed with the need for him to lay me down, to run those lips over every inch of my skin, to take his time introducing me to the world of sexual pleasure. Being honest, I really, really, really wanted him to fuck me, to be the first to fuck me. I huffed, feeling my body begin to heat up again. Trey squeezed the thigh, gripped in his hand. You all right? Yeah. You like that thigh meat, huh? This thigh meat, he squeezed again. This sexy thigh meat right here, these beans and rice that didn't miss you? Yeah, I like it. That okay? I wound my fingers around his, tipping my head back against the seat and closed my eyes. That's more than okay. I don't know when I fell asleep, but I woke up when we hit a bump in the road. It felt like we lurched a foot in the air. We weren't on Cobb Parkway anymore, a major thoroughfare through one of Atlanta's largest counties. And we weren't on the freeway. Trey was picking his way across an unpaved road around more bumps like the one that woke me up. Sorry about that. Fixing this road is up next on the list. I sat up and yawned, then reached for my purse at my feet. While I unwrapped and chewed a piece of gum, I tried to get my eyes to adjust to the pitch-black night. I couldn't see a thing except for what was illuminated by the headlights. Where are we? I asked. Stockbridge. We're actually not far from your house. I wanted to show you something, a little side project. We rode through a thicket of trees that gave way to an expanse of land. After a few minutes of total darkness, the road ended at a bare-bones frame of a home under construction. Trey stopped at a spot in front of two wide-open bays that I assumed would be garage doors. I knew he wouldn't answer, so I didn't ask what place this was. Trey was a man that liked to tell his own story in his own way, so I followed his lead, climbing out of the truck. He left the headlights on so that we could see. There's a little bit of power out here. The guys hung some lights so we could work after dark if necessary, or if I need to sneak over here at night and check up on them. He led me through the open space lined with building materials stacked and organized along the walls. He pulled a set of keys from his pocket and keyed two locks, then swung the door open. A burst of cool air swept past me as I stepped inside. I listened to my sneakers echo across the wide boards that made up the floor. I heard a metal-sounding switch, then a flood of light from a hanging construction lamp lit up the space. Whatever this place was, it was going to turn out nice. We came from the garage, obviously. Mudroom over here, he said, pointing to a small alcove, then continued ahead of me, pointing out the spaces where things like appliances and cabinets and counters would go. I think I'm going to do granite countertops. I haven't picked it out yet. You like to cook? I smirked. That depends on if you're going to ask me to cook for you. He stepped into an open space and turned. Gas range will go here. Built-in stovetop, grill, double oven, microwave, one of those warming drawers. I don't know what that's for, but I hear it's good for resale value. Then over here, he said, pointing to the other end of the room, double sinks, those deep motherfuckers that you could practically bathe in. I'll probably never use it because the dishwasher will be over here too. He made his way around the room, calling out different spaces, pantry, the alcove for the wine refrigerator, storage closets, and the power room where everything would be run and housed a state-of-the-art security system. Over here is where things get interesting, he said, leading me to another part of the house. My eyes had adjusted to the darkness by now, but he turned on more lamps. The rooms were spacious, flowing from one end of the house to the other. These are windows, I asked, pointing at boarded-up cutouts in the frame. Yep. The deck wraps all the way around this side of the house. Some doors lead to the outside from every room down here. A lot of natural light from both sides of the house. This is entertainment and living space. Kitchen, dining room, formal living room, family room, theater room. That'll be nice. I'm looking forward to outfitting that. A big office with one of those doors that lead outside to the deck. Then outside, there's all this land. I have landscape plans for the backyard, definitely adding a pool eventually. I want to do something with the acreage without having to maintain it. Thinking about racquetball courts, get my boy Ken out here. Get my boy Ken out here. He seemed to pop out of his monologue to remember that I was there with him. Do you play? I'm going to let you guess if I've played a sport where a rubber ball comes flying at my face. Trey's laugh was warm as he draped an arm over my shoulder. 
he led me toward a set of steps that were plain wood, not stained or carpeted, freshly built. Bedrooms are upstairs. Whoa, wait. Are these safe? Nah, I plan to lead you up these totally unsafe steps. I thought you trusted me. I have terrible luck, remember? Followed him up the flight of stairs to a wide landing with several door openings. I like open spaces. There are more possibilities for changing it up. I'll probably put the library up here, some nice leather seating, get a camera, fill some skim flicks. All right now. Anyway, this spot will be a place to chill. The master will be over here, he said, pointing. The only way I could tell that area would be a room where the spaced poles that framed it. I wanted a lot of space. Room for a big-ass bed, big-ass furniture, a gas fireplace. The master bathroom will be laid out to Italian marble, soaking tub, double sinks, everything premium. I'm not skimping on anything. So this is your house? I finally asked. He dropped enough hints to know the answer to my question, but I was sure that he wanted me to ask and that he wanted to talk about it. Pride that made his eyes glow in the dim light almost brought tears to mine. Yeah, this is my place, or will be my place once it's built. Well, you have a loan on it. It's yours. It's been yours. He smiled. I like how you think, Esme. When is it supposed to be finished? I'm hoping to be moving by Christmas. He looked around, squinting and bobbing his head. Might be tight. They'll likely be still finishing some things, but I want the big things done by then. A breeze whipped through the open, unheated space. Got kind of cold tonight, huh? He pulled me to him, wrapping his arms around me and dropping a kiss on my forehead. I already loved being in his arms. I'm fine right now, though. I felt his chuckle through his chest. Let's go to the car. I can turn on the heat and we can eat our celebratory pie. Trey pulled the truck into the garage, turned on the heat and the radio, and lifted the hatch in the back so that we could sit in the trunk space behind the rear seat. Then he unpacked our individual dishes of pie, which were cold and congealed by now, but it didn't matter. I was happy to swing my legs and eat pie in the back of a truck listening to Jill Scott in the middle of nowhere. Why did you want to show me the house you're building? I asked before sliding another slice of pie into my mouth. Because I'm proud of it, he answered, around a mouthful. And because, you know, we talked about that glow-up period when we both decided to be better people. Yeah. You said you started dabbling in stuff. You built a house. I designed this house. You got an MBA. I got a Master of Architecture. My jaw dropped. All of those jabs about him going to a fancy school suddenly seemed shallow and uninformed. Trey shoveled another forkful of pie into his mouth and chewed, grinning at me. I felt like shit. I... I shook my head, still in surprised mode. I'm sorry, Trey. I forgive you for thinking I'm a pedestrian dude with a little four-year degree from a state school. That's not Trey's laugh cut through the dark, quiet night, as may. Really. I'm not precious about it. It was something I wanted to do, but I couldn't miss a lot of work. The University of Florida offers an online program. It's slower, and I had to fly down for some week-long seminars and group activities, but... What else was I going to do with my time? While I was at it, I got LEED certified. Now I can build green homes and buildings. But your family owns a construction company. Did Saul say you had to get another degree? Nope. He had nothing to do with it. But it was strategic. This is what I really want to do. Design and build smart, sustainable homes like this. This house is the prototype. It's everything I wanted and I needed to know that I could dream up something that could be applied to modern design. I needed to draft it, to plan it, and contract it to be built. Trey shrugged. I'm not trying to flex, but I make good money being a pedagogue. Every assumption you probably have about me is true. Sol Senior left me a little trust fund. I work for my father at a well-off business that I'll probably inherit. By the time it mattered, I was a kid with rich parents living with a lot of privilege even though I'm black. I'm spoiled and not used to hearing no. He paused to lob a self-deprecating grin in my direction. Pops instilled a lot of real-world common sense and work ethic, though. He made sure I knew the value of a dollar and the meaning of hard work and responsibility. I've had dirty, calloused hands and an aching back, a crew that didn't respect me. I own work boots, and when it came to bring me up the line, he did that, which comes with expectations of continuing the line. How does Saul feel about the architecture degree and you designing your own house? Well, Trey inhaled, 
sucking in a long breath through his nose and furrowing his brow. He's proud that I did something I wanted to do. I set my mind on a goal and didn't let anyone or anything stop me. That's Pettigrew shit right there. Business-wise, he thinks it's a waste of time and money. He doesn't want you to run residential? He sucked his teeth. Woman, we ain't got no residential division. So start one. He's never been a proponent of residential design and construction. Too many variables. When he asked me to run Pettigrew while recovering, I told him that my agreement came with strings. He knows what the strings are. That's why I can't fuck up this deal with Miller. I understood at that moment what the acquisition meant to him and what hung in the balance. If he screwed up, an opportunity to fulfill his life stream would dissipate like vapor in warm air. He'd have to leave Pettigrew and strike out on his own, which would probably break Saul's heart, and, given his health struggles, Trey wouldn't do that. I also understood that the Neverlist played a part in this game and seemed like a petty pawn to play. Trey. I elbowed him to get his attention. He sat with his back against the seat, one leg bent, so his elbow rested on his knee. We don't have to keep doing the list just to get concessions on the contract. If you make reasonable efforts to negotiate, Miller will work with you. He wants it to happen. He's just not giving up his company without a fight. I appreciate that you offered, but helping you with the list isn't about the contract. My brow shut up. It's not? What's it about, then? Really, Esme? He laughed a little, then gave me a long stare. The list is about you, Esme. About spending time with you one-on-one, -on -one, finding out what's important to you, how you think, what makes you tick, what holds your attention, what brings you fear. Contract concessions tied into it is, honestly, to make the tedium fun. He pushed out a short puff of air and shook his head. We can't even really mention this deal to anyone. I haven't said anything. Me neither. I need this to fly through. It will. Because we're making it happen, right? Trey didn't answer. Well, he didn't answer in words. He leaned over to kiss me, his lips lingering on mine for a second longer than usual. I really, really like you, Esme. I shouldn't because you're mean. I guess I like that in a woman. I am not mean, Mr. Pettigrew. I am assertive. I have to be. People will walk all over you if you let them. I got tired of people seeing a frumpy girl and thinking they can treat her any old kind of way. Use and abuse her. Make her think she should accept that because she's lucky that anyone paid attention to her. Trey sat up and pulled back, angling his head so that the light from overhead illuminated my face. Wait, abuse? Who do I have to fight? Did somebody hurt you? No, no. I pulled him back to me. He was warm. The late evening chill gave me goosebumps. A turn of phrase, I guess. A lifetime of immature men that don't want much but a wet hole and somebody to make him a sandwich. You make a good sandwich? Really, Trey? On a serious tip, I'm glad you were assertive and served up your worth because now you're here with me. And I have a chance to be your man, right? Yeah, I admitted. Nearly under my breath. He heard it, though. I like you too, Trey. I shouldn't because you called me mean like you didn't try to take that chair from my table. I am never going to live that down. You've been sitting there by yourself for an hour. How was I supposed to know you had a date? Hell if I know, but I was pissed. Did you ever hear from that dude? The investigating officer said he got bailed out. I closed my dating account that night and we never exchanged phone numbers. Something about being cold-cocked after being stood up was enough for me. It was rough to watch, he said quietly. Everybody saw it, and they sat there, watching. I was mid-sentence. I noticed what was happening. Jumped up and ran out there, and knocked him right out. He chuckled. Those games of racquetball came in handy. I had a good swing. Racquetball should have been my extreme sport. It can happen. I'll add it to your list. I tapped his arm, then gave him a reassuring squeeze. I had a good time tonight. A good time, Esme? Like we went to a movie? He sucked his teeth, slowly shaking his head, out here acting like horny teenagers. My giggle came out as more of a snort. I need to add dry hump a guy against his car in view of a busy street to my list. It can, for sure, replace a sailboat ride. Nah, we can do it all. You tell me what you gotta do. I'll make it happen. I tipped my head up, 
brushing my lips against his cheek. He turned his head so that I got his lips. I kissed those two. Then I shifted so that I sat on his lap, straddling him. His hands automatically flew to my ass and molded to my shape. Hey, girl, he mumbled, his lips brushing mine. Hey. I rested my arms across his shoulders and scooted close so that my breasts pressed into his chest. Did you have a good time tonight? I had a real good time. Hope I'm not done having a real good time. No, I mean, did you have a good time? Silence from Trey, and then, you want to know if I came? Yes. Did you? Esme. Trey's mouth dropped open, but no other sounds came out. I took that to mean that he didn't. Do you want to? I mean, always. Do I want you to make me come? He chuckled, the sound coming from deep in his throat. In so many ways. In due time, I hope. I'm not asking for that from you tonight. It's only fair, Trey. I got mine. I got mine too, he protested. You feel good to me. Any way I get to touch you, I'm winning. I'm straight, really. Okay, what if... I drew my bottom lip into my mouth, catching it with my teeth before releasing it again while I held his gaze. Bold, Esme. Make it happen. Get what you want. When we danced together the other night, you were hard. I cannot stop thinking about it. I've been imagining and dreaming and honestly getting off on those thoughts and dreams. And after tonight, I want to see you. I want to touch you. I want to taste you. And you want to do that right now, out here. These trees make good cover, unlike Busy Cobb Parkway. What, you need perfect lighting and presentation to show me your dick? Nah, whip it out, so do that. You want this because you came and I didn't. I'm not keeping score, Esme. I want this because you got a big old dick and I want to see it. That made him laugh. Is this a thing on your list? No? I laughed with him, then cupped his face and kissed his lips. I'll tell you when it's a thing on my list, but I'll drop it if the answer is no. It's not no. It's never going to be no. You don't have to, though. I know. But I want to. So, yes? Trey sighed, trying hard to sound like getting head was going to be a chore. He stretched an arm to the edge of the trunk behind the seat he leaned against and flipped a lever. He did the same behind the other seat, then pushed both seats back so they laid flat. I took the hint, dismounted from his lap, and moved further inside. He reached for the door latch and pulled the rear hatch closed. The dome light turned off, dunking us in nearly pitch-black darkness. Trey reached up to press the buttons and turn the low interior lights on, then stretched out next to me. I want to see you, but I can turn it off. if It's fine. In moments, I was enveloped in his scent as he pulled me closer to him. His lips brushed across mine softly, gently a few times. He worked his way across my jaw to my ears, nibbling the lobe for a few moments before leaving a trail down my neck and across the exposed skin of my chest. Esme, Trey whispered, while he tucked a hand under the hem of my shirt, palmed abreast, his thumb resting on the tip of a raised nipple. My breath quickened with the anticipation that at any moment he would rub his thumb across the hardened nub. Hmm? Am I supposed to be able to see your bra, like through your shirt, because I've been trying not to stare all night. I giggled. Yes, it's part of the outfit. Thought I was being sexy. Oh, you are. You very much are. His thumb whispered over the fabric of the thin bra, bringing a wave of electric pleasure that made me writhe and squeal, even while he kissed me, swirling his tongue around mine before pulling back with a deep, lusty groan. Trey moved his hand to my waist and pulled me up against him, his erection was present and accounted for. Feel this? Feel me? He tilted his pelvis so that I felt him, all of him. This is what happens when I'm having dinner in one of Atlanta's finer restaurants, staring at you because I wish I could take that bra off and put your nipples in my mouth. You should have said something. I sat up, grabbed the hem of my blouse, and pulled it over my head. I would have whipped them out for you. When I pulled my hands behind me to unclasp the bra, Trey went to work, unbuckling his belt, then undoing the button and zipper on his jeans. He stopped there, leaving them open to expose a dark pair of briefs because the moment the clasp was released, my breasts dropped. 
He reached over to cup a breast in the palm of his warm hand. He only had to tip forward to swirl his tongue around an areola before closing his mouth around one, then the other nipple. I hadn't felt the rasp of a tongue across my skin in so long that I'd forgotten the pleasurable sensation, but it rushed back to me and I didn't want him to stop. Damn, he said, following up with a groan. Is that a good damn? That is the best damn. You taste like brown sugar. You feel good in my mouth. His pants were open, so I went for it, sliding a finger under the band of his briefs, then daring to go further until I felt him thick and smooth. And warm, so warm. Trey made it easier for me, easing his briefs down so that I could pull his dick out. I estimated about eight inches of manhood, jutting from his body angled up toward me. I danced my fingers around the length, then ran the tip of my index finger across the head, smearing the creamy evidence of his arousal around the tip. He responded with a deep-throated moan and bucked his hips. Damn, I mumbled, making my best Trey Pettigrew impression. That better be a good damn. I smiled up at him, adjusted so I was eye-level, and took him into my mouth until I could take no more, then pulled off, then took him again. Oh my. Fuck yeah. Trey pushed his jeans and briefs down so he could kick them off. I moved to sit between his legs, encouraged by the nonstop sounds coming from him. I pulled almost all the way off, then took all of him again and again, slower than faster, using a hand to squeeze him at the base, then swirling my tongue across the sensitive head. I rolled my eyes up to meet his before taking him again. Fuck. His voice sounded tight. Taut, full of emotion, but he was holding back. This feels so good. You, your mouth is amazing. Is it good for you, baby? Do you like that? I moaned, still full of him, still moving my mouth and my hands on him, building a rhythm to take him higher. He hissed, rolling his hips in sync with me for a few moments before he sat up, cupped my chin, and pushed me back. Trey took his dick into his own hand, pumping with a roughness that I was too ladylike to perform, but I took mental notes in case I ever got the chance to duplicate the technique. Ah! He cocked his head back, the sound of him filling the interior of the SUV. A warm spurt hit my chest and splashed up to my chin. Oh! I yelped. He tipped his head up at my sudden sounds, then his eyes widened. Oh! Shit! I'm sorry! I didn't mean to- No! It's okay! I'm- I'm in the line of fire! I should have realized- I started laughing, taking in my view of Trey with his dick in his hand, still seeping from the tip and my bare chest covered in ejaculate. This is funny? This is hilarious, I shrieked, laughing harder. Trey chuckled along but eyed me, probably in case I was laughing maniacally and not genuinely amused. I might not be able to hang out with you anymore. Three new things in one night is a lot. Do you have any napkins? Yeah, hang on. Trey sat up reaching to press the button to open the glove box where a curiously large assortment of napkins, ketchup packets, and silverware in plastic wrap was stuffed inside the compartment. At my wide-eyed stare at his stash, he shrugged. I, I used to work in the field on job sites. These guys eat a lot of fast food and food truck fare. I always save the extras, never know when you'll come on a girl's face and need a handful. I grabbed a few napkins and swiped the already cold wetness from my chin. He helped dabbing at my chest before I took the napkins and finished the job. You mad at me? No, I laughed, shaking my head. I am having so much fun with you. As I just came on you. You did. I bent forward to kiss him while pressing the soiled napkins into his hand. So now we're even, and I'm happy. He sat up, crawled to the rear of the truck, and popped the hatch open again. He reached for his boxers and pants and climbed out. I need to get right. Give me a minute. When Trey came back, he was pulling his shirt down over the band of his jeans. I'd put my bra and blouse back on and had moved back to the front seat. Trey reset the back seats and closed the hatch again, then got into the driver's seat. How you doing? He asked, leaning against the console. I am real good. I met him halfway for a kiss, then leaned back. I laid an arm across his shoulder and asked earnestly, how are you, Trey? If you're real good, I'm real good. He reached for the gear shift, 
backing away from the house, then made a wide turn to head down the road we'd taken when we came to the house. It's been an eventful evening, Miss Whitaker, but I'm taking your exhibitionist ass home before you get me arrested. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bookcast. We've been reading The Neverlist. Again, if you want to buy this book to read along or read ahead or read on your own, it's booksbydalewhite.com slash books. See you next time.